0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. join more of the things you love with TCL. It's Minnesota Sports Rewind. All right. It's a Tuesday here. Every other Tuesday, we're doing this on Mackie and Judd, and you can find, if you just want only Minnesota Sports Rewind episodes, you can go and download episodes or stream them from the podcast feed, Minnesota Sports Rewind, where... A five-star rating and a positive review helps us spread the word about that, too. We have 20 to 25 episodes that we've put out over the last year and a half or so. And this is where we do deep dives into prominent Minnesota sports events, games, trades, moments, you name it. And this episode is all about Teddy Bridgewater's knee injury from August 30th, 2016, Judd Zolgad, Tuesday afternoon. Almost four years ago. Actually, it feels like it was longer ago than that. It's it does. it so, been four years. It
1: does feel like a long time ago now.
0: Two days after Teddy Bridgewater completed 12 of 16 passes for a buck 61 and a touchdown in the first half of a preseason game against the Chargers, <laughs> the Charges, he drops back in practice two days later on that Tuesday, untouched, and his knee gives way. One of the most gruesome knee injuries in pro sports: dislocated
1: history. kneecap, torn ACL, and more. I think they found out eventually,
0: right? Yeah. In fact, here is this is an excerpt from an ESPN.com interview with Teddy's surgeon. So Teddy gave his surgeon permission to just speak freely a couple years ago when he signed with the jets. And uh, this was, this was an excerpt from the article. Amputation was no longer a feared possibility. So that, that, that was a thing for a little while. Mm -hmm. And yet what the surgeon faced that day was something one might see on the set of a sci-fi film. It was just a horribly grotesque injury. The surgeon said, The good doctor was talking about the quarterback's left knee, which had exploded without warning nine days earlier while Bridgewater was dropping back to pass, untouched in a Vikings practice. Quote, it's mangled. You make the skin incision and there's nothing there. It's almost like a war wound. Everything is blown. It's certainly the worst knee dislocation in sports I've ever seen without having a nerve or vessel injury. It's an injury that about 20 to 25% of NFL players are able to come back from ever. It's a horrific injury, You've torn every single thing in your knee, and it's hanging on by one ligament on one side like a hinge, end quote. Yeah, besides that, he's fine.
2: Oh, god. Oh. You got to open blah, 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 the se- blah, blah, blah. you
1: got to come back and start the season. What are you guys god. talking about? Yeah, I know. It's disgusting
0: so prior to the injury teddy was obviously a first round pick by the vikings he had compiled a 17 and 11 record as the viking starting quarterback should have a playoff victory in there too if not for blair walsh missing a 27 yard field goal or
1: adrian peterson fumbling don't ever forget or that
0: peterson one peterson fumbling too yeah and he showed great leadership behind the scenes at practice in games teammates believed in him coaches loved him he showed accuracy he was one of the most accurate intermediate range passers in the nfl And he showed some clutch on third downs and in the fourth quarter of games. And the Vikings were just starting at this point, going into 2016, just starting to mold the offense to Teddy Bridgewater's skill set. Remember the first couple years of Teddy, it was really still Adrian Peterson's offense. And Teddy Bridgewater played a lot of shotgun pistol at Louisville in college. And they had him lining up under center, eye formations, and just a lot of of formations that he... If it was just, hey, this is our new quarterback, this is our franchise... You wouldn't mold the offense that way. The his first, first game couple
1: years. of of fifteen was a disaster. Yeah, the San Fran game, oh, yeah. they were awful, and that that was that in no way, shape, or form was the offense that Teddy wanted to run. I don't think.
0: And so they finally. So I think the, the excitement going into 2016 was, you know, coming off that preseason game, especially against the Chargers, it was like, wow, okay, so this is what it looks like. This is Teddy Bridgewater's offense. He's going to drop back. He's going to throw the ball. They're going to they're going to run just. Something that makes him feel more comfortable and boom, his knee gives out and it sends the Vikings into a panic a week before the regular season starts and they wind up trading a first round pick for Sam Bradford. He got off to a 5-0 and start and missed the playoffs. That was the 2016 Vikings. So let's start with this question. Where were you guys when you heard about Teddy Bridgewater's gruesome knee injury on August 30th, 2016?
1: I was sitting in the office, and I believe that we were shuttling back and forth uh, to the state State fair Fair at that point in time. And we got done with the show, which was 9 to 1 at that point. And I think I was in the conference room here working on something, and somebody said something along the lines of, Did you hear about Teddy? I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, Teddy got hurt and at first I'm like, oh, okay, you know, something happened but it's not going to be that bad and I just remember finding out quickly that his his knee had gone Uh they had taken him away to the hospital, that this was grotesque and severe Uh and thinking immediately to myself, what the hell are they going to do? Like, we are on the precipice of the season and the one thing was that year, I, I believe, when I got to training camp, uh, w- when they were still in Mankato in 2016, I looked around, and the first thing I thought was, if Teddy does get hurt, and I'm thinking to myself, like, two weeks, okay? So to be fair, I'm not thinking, like, his career might be over. If Teddy does get hurt, is Sean Hill really capable of stepping in? Like, this, did, this to me felt like like they were so sure of Teddy that they essentially had Teddy's coach as his backup, which I was like, I don't know if that's a great idea because this kid definitely could get hurt at some point in time. Uh, So the day he did get hurt, the rest of that day I just thought, and I recall going through the list of guys that might be traded, released, and I really thought they are screwed because I, I I didn't think of Bradford. And in looking at the list of potential replacements just short term there, that was a good team. And I thought, they are in huge trouble because you can't have
0: Sean Hill start.
2: Well, Dex, where were you when you heard about it? I was driving back home uh, with, from a family cabin near Gull Lake. And I had gotten word from a, from a friend of mine who worked for the team that something had happened at practice. So I'm dialed into Sports Talk Radio 2 trying to figure out what's going on. And I just remember being absolutely glued to my phone down Highway 10 and 169. Literally refreshing. Probably killed my iPhone battery and. 55 minutes with refreshing on Twitter and texting and trying to figure out what was going on. And then I got home just in time for Zimmer to address the team. And, like, literally I remember everyone's, like, unpacking their things. and like, even starting cooking dinner. And I just immediately went to the television because I wanted to see what the hell was going on at Winter Park. And I just remember Zimmer breaking down and then even comparing Teddy's injury to his wife's death. You know, like, he looked at him like a son. And I even like I even welled up because it was like this super poignant moment. Who was tough guy Mike Zimmer, right? Tough as nails, doesn't cry over anything. Yeah. And I just remember being so overcome with emotion too about it. And that's and that's an athlete, someone who I've never really had gravitate like had a relationship with or anything. But it was just so significant, and you had such high hopes for that preseason that all those emotions, I think, just kind of came pouring out of a lot of people. So I was
0: on the State Fair shuttle bus. So, Judd, you must have taken an earlier shuttle because I was I was coming back on, like, like, oh, like you, the next shuttle. You stayed and drank. I might have had a beverage.
1: You stayed and drank some yeah. beers. Mackie?
0: Really? And uh, Superstar Mike no Morris. applause back then. Superstar Mike Morris was on the shuttle with me. I think him and I went to go eat some more food and grab a beverage ah, or okay, something. All right. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. And we saw this news come across, and it was like your jaw just hits the floor. Like, what? at first you're thinking... Oh, did he? Okay, that's what I thought. Like, yes, did he just like twist an ankle? Like yeah. what? What happened? And then it's like, oh, oh wow, torn ACL, holy cow! And then, oh my god, amp- they're talking amputation? about amputation. Like, what yeah. is he ever going to play again? And you know, fast forwarding, it's it's great to see that he that he has come back. He played pretty well with the Saints last year. Now he's going to get a chance as a franchise quarterback with with Carolina. But I think the biggest question off of all of this is what could have been, right? What and that's key question number two here on this episode is what happens if Teddy doesn't get hurt. So two parts to this. What happens with the Vikings in 2016? Yep. That that started 5 and 0. Sam Bradford was unbelievable for the first part of that season, coming in cold, not knowing any of the players or like he just literally came in cold. He started in week 2. He just yeah, he comes right in. He set he, he sets a career actually uh yeah, it was a career high in terms of uh, completion percentage and yards in a season. And touchdown-to-interception ratio, he led the league in completion percentage. I think it was a record at the time. It was. 71.6%. Of course, it turned into a lot of dink and dunk late in the season, so he didn't... A lot of checkdowns. Uh, a lot of checkdowns late in the year. But mm-hmm. what would have happened with Bridgewater's career and with the Vikings if <laughs> he doesn't tear his knee on that day?
1: I'll start with uh, with that year in particular, okay? I think that that team makes the playoffs for sure. And here's a big reason why they might have they might have had a rough spot, but I don't think it becomes um as bad as th- that did cuz they went from 5 and 0 start to what 3 and 8 I think in their last um portion of yes. the season. Okay. They make the playoffs and they win probably 10 or 11 games in my mind because to me, the biggest problem in that year, and there were lots of, of them. Th- this is probably the most tumultuous, uh, outside of 2010, this is probably the most tumultuous Viking se- season slash team that I've covered. But if Teddy doesn't get hurt, Mike Zimmer doesn't melt down. And there is no question that beginning with with um, at 5 and, and oh, they have the bye week. They go and they lose at Philly. And that's the postgame where Mike, I think, called the offensive line or the team. I think it was the offensive line soft. And that that was the whole thing going into the bye week where he supposedly did something to stuffed toys or something. Yeah, you, you, like, you, yeah, he might like have lopped their heads off. He might not have. He might have used blood. He might not have used fake blood. We don't know. But anyway, there was definitely something about Mike uh, in that year that, that I think ultimately he probably learned from, but he melted down. If Teddy is his quarterback, and and as Dex said, this kid was like a son to him, I don't think he melts down. So there certainly could have been rough patches and rough spots, uh, but to start your question off, I think this team hits a rough spot, rough patches, but it doesn't kill them, which it ultimately did. This is a playoff team.
0: I think they make the playoffs, too. I think... I, I think everything was was going to be molded toward a healthy Teddy Bridgewater, and I think it would have been worth another win or two. I'd have to go look and see like what the standings were and like if nine and seven or two. I don't think they would have gone thirteen and three, but but I, I do think they make the playoffs. And I think more importantly, I think Teddy Bridgewater is still the quarterback of the Vikings. He's probably making a lot of money at this point. He's probably making twenty five to thirty million dollars. I don't think he's in the Pat Mahomes you know what you know Tom Brady I don't think he's at the top of the NFL in that echelon of quarterbacks but I think he's a better version of Kirk Cousins if he if he plays it out and he stays healthy I think he's I think he's Alex Smith plus I think he's Kirk Cousins with some more clutch in him and just better in in those pressure situations and I think he's a solidified top 10 quarterback in the NFL Still with room to grow. He's only like 26 or 27 years old right now as we sit here and and talk about this. So I know he had a lot of detractors because people like people look at fantasy stats and they see, well, he only had 14 touchdown passes or right. whatever. Well, you got to remember the first couple <sighs> years, they were not catering toward a passing heavy offense. Anyways, right. Adrian Peterson was getting a lot of the load inside the 20 yard line, inside the 10 yard line. Also. How many quarterbacks outside of Pat Mahomes in their first two years are just lighting it up with, like, 35 he, or 40 He also passes. didn't
1: screw up. Like, yes. the clutch thing is important, but if you're clutch but screw up, that's a problem. So, so for a guy starting his career, he did a lot of things right. But this is where the Chargers game will always haunt you because the Chargers game, that first half... Was a step of everybody, and, and I know it, it was. It was a exhibition game, but if you recall that game, we all left the stadium saying, "Oh my God, there's mm-hmm. something there," and and it wasn't just his play; it was his look. He looked completely in, in charge. It had clearly morphed from uh, 2015 being the Peterson show, and here's Teddy. Yeah, hey, right. have fun. <laughs> to no, this is my team. And so what made that Chargers game so um, appetizing was the fact that you thought to yourself, oh, boy, corner been turned. And two days or three days after that, he gets hurt. And we never get the answer to if what we saw that day was real.
0: Yeah.
2: And I take it back even to the first preseason game that year against Cincinnati. Judd and I had this conversation like two months ago. but. I don't I don't remember any preseason in football where you were really dialed in and you like took the results and like holy crap, this is gonna translate to the season. Cause that first series against Cincinnati, everything against Teddy, like, like you said, Phil, he's pedestrian, he doesn't take shots. He unleashes a deep bomb in that first series. I think Darius Wright hits him from the fifty yard line, just a bomb. You're like, Oh, there's a there's Teddy in the deep ball. And then it translated into the Chargers game, and you just were all in on this team. Not just being, in my opinion, ten and six and nine and seven. Cute. I I was looking at this team being twelve and four and a favorite in the NFC. Yeah,
0: and you just mentioned like like Jarius Wright was like the number one wide receiver on <laughs> yeah. the team. So the other thing that people forget, like Kirk Cousins has had, and and before Kirk Cousins, um, I'm trying to think, uh, Case Keenum had both Thielen and Diggs as well. So Case Keenum and Kirk Cousins have had two top twelve wide receivers in the NFL, running routes available down the field. Teddy Bridgewater, 2014. All right, these were the Vikings wide receivers, and Matt Matt Castle made three starts, and then Teddy took over, and that, and that was his rookie season. Okay, so so Matt Asiata was the Belcott running back. Jarek McKinnon was was a good little Swiss Army knife, running back and and pass catcher out of the backfield. You had 31 year old Greg Jennings. So it's kind of broken down. Greg Jennings was basically on his last legs and was out of the league a year later. Yep, he went to Miami and then he was out of the league. Yep. And then you had Matt Asiata as the second leading receiver on that team in 2014, followed by Jarius Wright and can't-run-a-route Cordero Patterson. And Charles Johnson was fifth. Charles Johnson, remember that guy? Number 12, Charles Johnson? Yep. 2015, Teddy's first full year as a starter. The weapons list is not that much different. In fact, you might make a case that it's worse, because Adrian Peterson was the bell cow running back, and he wasn't very good. They did feature Stefan Diggs for part of that season. He he started like half the games. That was when Stefan first emerged into the mix. Uh yeah, Kyle Rudolph was there. Mike Wallace, but like <laughs> that was kind of the end of Mike Wallace's run. He was thirty years old. Imagine Teddy Bridgewater emerging into his third, fourth, fifth years in the NFL, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six years old and having Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs as targets to and throw Rudolph, to. And Rudolph, too, at that point in time. And, and Absolute, emerging into his prime.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Yep. So it's just, I, I want to bring one more number to the table here because I think it's important to note that in 2015, according to Pro Football Focus, for the for the people who think that, like, Teddy's, you guys are overrating Teddy. Teddy Bridgewater in 2015 led the NFL in adjusted completion percentage, which is if you take away drops and you take away throwaways, and Teddy did have a lot of throwaways, I will, I will give you that. He was the most accurate passer in the NFL, mostly because of that 5 to 15 yards in the air range. Other guys in the mix behind Teddy Bridgewater in 2015, Kirk Cousins as a first-year starter, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Phillip Rivers. Hmm. Those are the guys on that list. Mm -hmm. The complete passes at that rate, pre-injury Teddy Bridgewater. This
1: might be the greatest, or it is uh, certainly top five, unknown in Minnesota sports history. It is. It's one of the great unknowns because you're not positive, but you're pretty sure that he was going to be a really good player and he was going to solve a problem. And the most important thing was, again, I will always go back to this. He's the only quarterback that I've ever
0: seen this head coach trust. Like, this was his guy. And that also might be more kind of a Mike Zimmer problem to iron out at some point, too. But yeah. Yeah, but I can see how quarterbacks don't, don't engender
1: a lot of, um, a lot of trust at times. Yeah. yeah. But, but Teddy had a really, he walked the line of, of being smart, but to your point, Phil, being clutch at times, too.
2: He had four fourth-quarter comebacks and 28 starts for the Vikings. So it wasn't yep. just like he was yeah handing off a football and having to dink and dunk. No, the guy, when it was mattered, he got the team to a position to win.
0: And like you see a lot of these other younger quarterbacks. Russell Wilson is a great example of this. Once you get into year, you're kind of training wheels your first couple of years. What we didn't get to see is Teddy Bridgewater without the training wheels and fully healthy in years three, four, and I saw, five. I
1: saw a little glimpse of it against the Chargers. It was interesting.
0: The Chargers. Uh, next question for you. Do you guys think Teddy Bridgewater will ever play for the Vikings again?
1: No, I do not. No, because if if Zim was like 50, I think he maybe he might, but Mike Mike is what, 63, 64 now. Um so no. I think I think Teddy in Carolina we're going to find out now over the course of a full year if if the leg and health can can uh, hold up. If it does, I think he Probably plays there and maybe one more place, but I don't think he comes back here now. The, the only way it happens done.
0: is like if he's really good, then he's Carolina's quarterback for yeah, like the next eight years. Or he or gets whatever, hurt right? and he's just going to be done, right? But if he's the only way he comes back and plays for the Vikings is a classic Vikings like toward the end of his career <laughs> in ten years or something. Yeah. And I don't know, Carolina has blown everything up and they've moved on, and Teddy's coming back down, and there's there's like a buy low factor on a veteran Teddy Bridgewater. Otherwise, I think, and I think if he's healthy, I think Carolina has a franchise. I think Carolina has like the seventh or eighth best quarterback in the NFL in two years in Teddy Bridgewater.
2: And I've been led to believe too that although Ted is extremely grateful for the medical staff and everything they did to to you know prevent the amputation, everything we listed earlier in the episode. But I think there is also a little bit of bad blood for the whole contract holling that tried to happen too in sure. 2017. So I, if it were to happen. I do think it would be under new management. I, I, I Not to say that the relationship is burned completely between Teddy sure. and Minnesota, but I do think that does play a factor. That was an in odd deal. Not wanting to come back. I yeah. was
0: surprised by that so they one.
2: Were, so they were trying to get him for an extra year. Yeah, and right? told his contract. Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: they're trying to... They don't want to have to pay... I That's the problem. Like, like right. If they wanted him... Or, this is the conundrum they ran into when it came down to right. Case Keenum, Kirk Cousins, Bridgewater. It was like, well, they'd love to see it out with Bridgewater, but you can't... Like, The guy was going to make more well, and money. And you couldn't
1: trust... You could not trust... The, his leg because it blew up. Yep. Like if he had gotten hit, you'd be like, okay, this is tough, but yeah. But when you can't explain it, it becomes, I think, a very difficult choice to say, yeah, let's pay the guy and also hope
0: because that's a lot of hope. Next key question for you guys here was trading a first round pick for one year of Sam Bradford, or really it was like a year in change. It wound up being one the year in one Bradford. game, right? Gets the Saints. Yeah, he. Well, he. It was. One game, and then he started another game game. against Chicago. No, that doesn't count. Yeah, and he basically, like, (laughs) turtled in the field Uh, position every day. I felt bad for him. Was trading a first-round pick for Sam Bradford a week before the season started the right move?
1: 100% the right move, and here's why. That team was good, and there was no way that you could go into that group of players and say, let's go with Sean Hill. This is going to work out. You knew that. You know, Sean Hill won the Titans game. In week one of 2016, but when you watched him play and when he surfaced on the injury report after that game, basically for being old, there was no way that you could go in and and say that. And if you had gone out and gotten like a veteran backup who was not that good, I think your players would have said, what the hell? So, yes, the price was big, but I will always credit Spielman and the Vikings for finding in a very short time a solution to at least give themselves a chance to be as competitive as they possibly thought they could be, Yeah. as opposed to saying, you know what, Mike Lennon, you're good enough. Yeah,
0: I, I loved it. So, I, thought I thought it was, was the right move, too, and they they started off, they won their first game with Sean Hill, who threw so many passes in that game. Yeah, John Andrew, first being old. Yep. So so Bradford comes in, the, he wins his first four games as a starter, and the Vikings offense looks amazing. Uh, he doesn't throw an interception until week six, but I just I that's another one. Even with Bradford, like there's a whole other episode here off Bradford. Another like what could have been. Like Bradford was the number one overall pick. Yes, he's one of the more talented quarterbacks we've seen in the NFL the last twenty years. He's still injuries, the, he's the
1: quarterback in. here to this day if he doesn't get hurt.
0: Right. But and, he was always hurt. And, like, you know, you've know, you got these sort of parallel what-ifs happening. Like, what if Teddy Bridgewater had stayed healthy? And, like, well, what if Sam Bradford had stayed healthy? Sam Bradford was more, maybe more talented you remember the than Teddy game? Bridgewater was. The Saints game? Yes. Week yes. one
1: of 17, Sam Bradford was a bleeping magician.
0: Yes. It was, it was ridiculous. He was
1: comfortable, and he was great that night.
0: It's one of the greatest games of his career. And then word starts trickling out, like, oh, he's got some knee... Issues happening here. And Which, he again, I thought, games. oh, it'll be a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, they'll just whatever. Like, yeah. they'll give him a quarter zone shot, and and he'll be back. And, like, really, he only played a handful of games. He went to the Cardinals the year after. But um, but I think it was the right move to make that trade because that team was ready to win the Super Bowl. Yes. That team had a defense that was emerging as one of the best in the NFL. And um, and the only thing I think you wonder is if they, if they had the Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs weapons that they developed a year or two down the road... And that's the only year of healthy Sam Bradford. Would they have won a couple of those games when they lost four or five in a row in the middle of the season? Would they have with better weapons? Would they have won a couple more games to pull themselves out of the funk and given themselves a chance to win they games sp- in the postseason? Man,
1: they spiraled so bad. Hmm. I don't know. That, that home lost to Detroit.
0: They lost a home game to Detroit in yep. weeks in week nine. 16, but 22-16, it was the, f- the third straight loss. Like The
1: worst one w- was the Colts' loss.
2: Yeah, the Colts' one was a gut punch. The
1: Colts' yep. and Bills' losses are, are the worst two Vikings' defeats at this place. They were, that Colts' loss, and that was the game that Peterson came back, and he's like, I'm going to carry the ball. Out. It's like, right. what are you talking about, dude? Go away. Go away. <laughs> and, and he started the game. They threw him a pass that he either dropped or I think lost yards on. They might have handed him the ball. On that first drive, they went nowhere, and I, honest to God, I can give you, that is a top three game that I've covered where a team checked out. Like, the Vikings were done.
0: So here's another key question, okay? So Sam Bradford at the time was like 30 years old. Mm -hmm. So still had probably, excuse me, six or seven years left of guaranteed quarterback prime if he was healthy. If If you could wave a magic wand, rank these three guys, if you could wave a magic wand over their knees and have them be fine for the duration of their prime and career. Okay. Teddy... Sam Bradford. Yep. Dante Culpepper.
1: Oh, oh Culpepper three. Really? Yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Culpepper three. He got hurt. Don't forget he was he was in two thousand five, not that great. He was pretty bad before
0: the injury, that's true.
1: Bradford Bradford is two because Bradford was comfortable here and was starting to play really well, and the guy had arm talent. He had some serious arm talent. And one, Teddy. Teddy is Teddy is the complete unknown. Like I can tell you what I thought of Dante. I can sort of tell you about Sam, okay? Not totally, but I can. The thing that Culpepper lacked, though. Mm-hmm. Was Culpepper liked a good time and Culpepper Culpepper didn't have a thing to do with the success of that room. I ran and into Culpepper
0: on spring break in Mexico one Yeah, time. he didn't he didn't care. <laughs> I don't think Dante Culpepper
1: was, was in it for a good time and Dante Teddy Teddy had chops, man. That guy could lead. Teddy is my top one.
2: Declan. All right, you've yeah, go ahead, Declan. I, I would go Bradford three. Bradford three, despite the amazing arm talent. I, just in general, the dude also had shoulder issues. He had just nagging injuries all the time. Yes, the knee was the most notable, but he was nagging injuries all the time. Also, he had those weird sleeves. Yeah, yeah. I did not like the sleeves. What was up with the sleeves? I don't like the sleeves. Okay. I
0: didn't like the why crazy. are you wearing sleeves? It's not, <laughs> not nineteen sixty-eight, dude. Right. Hey, get rid of the sleeves. And, I and then I
2: would, I would go Teddy two. I would go Teddy number two. No matter, despite my insane love for the guy, um, I, I truly think that even though he had all the great intangibles. That Dante Culpepper's arm talent and just paralysis as, as a quarterback who could still, I think, translate his game to later years. I was very intrigued by that. So Dante, to me, is on is number one in terms of the knees. All right, this is going to sound crazy. I, Judd has convinced me
0: Dante was really bad in the games leading up to the knee injury, and Dante he was horrible. Oh (laughs) five 5 was a disaster. Dante also had a couple seasons. Lennihan being gone was huge He could go rogue and throw 25 picks and and not blink. So I'll put Dante 3. Like, I would be very curious. Don't get me wrong. But I would put Dante 3, I guess. I'm putting Teddy 2, and I'm putting Sam Bradford number 1. I I can't get over the fact that this dude, like, when he was locked into the right system and offense, and he had seen enough football, and he's emerging into his late 20s, early 30s, And we saw what he could have been with the Vikings. It all culminated in that Week One game against the Saints in 2017. Like it was, it was all there. Comfortable, knew the offense, leader. Uh, Yeah, it was all there. Yeah, what could he have been from ages 30 through 36? Former number one overall pick. Like all of those things, just command of an offense, weird sleeves. He's he (laughs) is
1: the he is the quarterback here to this day, if he doesn't get hurt in that Saints game. Yeah.
2: 3 of the top 5 Bradford games came in Minnesota in terms of passer rating. And that Saints game number 1, the Texans game number 3, and the Packers game his debut number 5. Man. Wow. So he was very good here. Yeah. Sam Bradford That's made a hot lot take of money though. Football too.
0: Number 1. He didn't that... make a lot of do. Yep. Very interesting. So, all right. Um last question for you here on this episode. Where does this Vikings like as a team? They started 5 and 0. <laughs> they missed the playoffs. They finished three and eight, and they missed the playoffs. Where does this Vikings season meltdown rank in history? They had the O three meltdown where they started. Yeah, six I didn't and cover
1: 0. that one. I told you guys, uh, two thousand ten is is the champion. Will always be your roof collapsed. Like there's no <laughs> competition there. This is two though. This was a this was a meltdown on and off the field that was was hard to explain. You know, in Philly. Zimmer calling the team out made no sense. You're five and one, dude. Just take the loss. You didn't play well. Okay, cool. You're five and one, go home, have a drink and regroup. And instead, instead the pre buy stuff uh, was weird. The Philly loss was weird. As you said, the Detroit loss, but then, then the one where you just knew that it was off the rails, the Colts loss. Uh, So this is too. There's a lot of things about the course of that year. And, and in fact, they won their last game against the Bears at home. And if I'm not mistaken, that was the game where people snuck stuff in and hung from the uh, stress at the stadium That's right. and put up banners uh, protesting and stuff. And that was the perfect culmination to that year, a game where nobody watched the game cuz it didn't mean a damn thing and everybody watched the protesters basically swinging from the truss. I right. mean that was a weird year and that that was post 5 and 0 oh, a hell of a meltdown.
0: Yeah, it's it's a meltdown. It's not quite losing in week 17 at Arizona against a crappy was it Cade McNown, one of the one of the McNowns take, take or McCowns. Uh, Josh, or McCown. Josh McCown, Nate Poole, right? Josh or Luke? Nate Poole, caught the, Nate pass Poole in, caught the in the back of the end zone. All right, yeah, it, it's not quite that. When you start six and zero, and you have Randy Moss and Dante Culpepper, and uh, and you lose in week seventeen, but like it, it was pretty bad. It's pretty bad <laughs> to not to not finish that thing out. And and like who would have yeah. thought when the Vikings were off to the 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 season they had the year before, and they should have won a playoff game, and then they start the next season five and zero with Sam Bradford looking like the best I he's ever looked in his career. Like, who would have thought that that, that was the end of the road for for that uh, Vikings team there? So they, they came back two years later. Or the, was it the next year? It was the next year they came back 13 and they wins. went to the uh, NFC Championship game. With Case Keenum, yeah. So, all right. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of Minnesota Sports Rewind here, part of the Mackie and Judge show. And you can find full episodes in the Minnesota Sports Rewind. If you just want to binge Minnesota Sports Rewind, go subscribe to that podcast, Apple, Spotify, or scorenorth.com and binge away, folks.